Hello and welcome to the Catalyst podcast. My name is Ken Valady, partner and co-founder at Progressive, and this is a podcast series about the power of startup corporate partnerships and how, if carefully managed, they can become a true catalyst for change for the future. Every episode, I will interview either a startup founder or an industry leader who have experienced the benefits of these partnerships firsthand and are willing to discuss and share their key learnings and insights. This week, I'm really pleased to be speaking to Sean McKee, who is the Director of E-Commerce and CX at The Retailer Shoe. Sean, welcome to the show. Ken, thank you very much for inviting me on the show. So, Sean, can you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself and what you do at Shoe? Absolutely, Ken. So, my, I suppose, let's let's start with my role at Shoe. So, I'm the person who drives e-commerce business performance. That is what I'm for. So that means I I do a combination of things, an amalgam of things. I manage a very talented group of people on the web optimization side, which I suppose is most relevant to what we're talking about today. So that, you know, people who are technical by profession, but I also manage a group of digital marketers and merchandisers, and I have the privilege of managing our customer experience team as well, who operate an in-house contact center that works directly with customers, you know, through all the methods of contact you would expect, but also including things like live chat, video chat on the site. It's an amalgam of things. And my job is to bring them together to drive performance in line with business objectives. And I would imagine, Sean, within that role, that you come across quite a few startup technologies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's probably the, one of the most interesting parts of the role is really is that Ignorance is definitely not bliss in this area. And very often you don't know what you don't know. And you're quite reliant on startups or, or, or businesses you haven't heard of to tap you up and try and get a little bit of time with you so they can tell you what they're about. It's one of the most interesting parts of the job. Absolutely. So just on that point, Sean, can you give us an idea of what kind of startups you've started to work with or have worked with at Shoe? Yeah, look, we've worked with a very wide range of startups, but I suppose what I should tell you is what they all have in common is that they what they do resonates with what our core objectives as a business are. So we're either interested in driving performance, that's very often conversion rate on a product page or on a part of the site where conversion uh, is possible, or it might be eliminating friction. And, you know, taking something that we know isn't working terribly well, or it might be enhancing content. But all of those things, what they all have in common is they're they're about improving performance on a continuous basis. And so we've spoken to people in a, in a really wide spectrum of areas to give you just some sense of it. We've done a lot of work with startups in the sort of product presentation area, content on a page, social proof even fit in advice in some instances. And that really is about converting better in the main. We've also worked with people in sort of last mile delivery and customer fulfillment experience, particularly around high speed, quite niche delivery in big urban populations like London. And then more recently, we're probably doing a lot more work with people who can help us with some AI support on the the very large amounts of 
difficult to manage customer feedback we get and helping us sort and understand the impact of what our customers are telling us. So it's a spectrum, but as I guess what it all has in common is it's about enhancing the experience of customers and so making us better the next time. With a very clear focus by the sounds of it on return and investment. Look, absolutely, because in the end, everything we do is an investment and it competes with all the other potential investments. So we've got to be economically fluent with every choice that we make. And how have you found, or how has Shu found this whole dynamic of working with startups? Was it a difficult first step to make? And and how developed are those relationships becoming? It's not difficult, but what I would say is that we've tried a number of approaches and over time we've found what feels like it works best for us you know so we've done we've done everything from almost agnostic levels of exposure where we I've been on a trip with some other retailers and we're exposed to people we've never met before doing things we didn't necessarily know before we got in the room to events where people are aggregating different types of startups so we can meet them and as you know there's competitions and all sorts of tournaments at these events hackathons and so on to some really highly curated activity that we drove where we identified a business need and then put out a brief and tried to deliver people who were only interested in that brief so we've tried a number of things and i think what probably on reflection has worked best is where we start with a clearly defined business need with a brief and we have a proof of concept in mind to deliver on that brief and then we see who can help us with that particular need that doesn't mean we're not opening to sort of you know lightning bolts things we just don't know we don't know but certainly in a business that's very interested in the quality of the investments we make it's easier to articulate that to the wider business and then go on to get people involved in a process that can be measured and uh, demonstrated in a very empirical way a key insight there i would say is that for corporates who are thinking of starting relationships with startups and and taking that first step a good piece of advice is to to be pretty clear on what you want from the start and to take some time out to dare I say write a brief and to go in with a clear direction and need versus like I know some corporates do where you go in with a very kind of scattergun approach and see what's out there and I find I don't know what your views are but sometimes that's quite difficult to bring back in and get to a tangible point with you kind of end up with lots of information but no action well I think that's right I think there's two things there for me well first of all we've just we've learned through not having a brief that we should have a brief because you need to have a clearly defined benchmark against which you can rate all of the potential partners you've just met because you know they can even be offering quite similar products or offerings but not measure them or articulate them in the same way at all so your benchmark is quite important and i think also we're very considered about our investments so it's got to be translatable into the language of the host business so that it has a chance of moving forward i think the way you benchmark and the way you articulate the language of what you're doing certainly in a business our size and the way that we invest is really important and there's less room for scattergun and much more room for focus. So on the other side of the equation, Sean, what advice would you give to startups that start working with corporates? So if we're looking at corporates saying, you know, be clear what you want at the start, what best practice would you say or have you experienced with startups when they come through the door? I suppose there's a number of things for me, Ken. I was thinking about this before we spoke today. I think point number one is do your homework. Anything less than a bespoke, tailored conversation isn't going to be a good conversation. You know, so we don't want the pitch you've done to 10 other people. 
think about our business, what our business is trying to achieve, and look at the evidence of what's in front of you, because that's probably indicative of what sort of thing works. Be able to clearly articulate what you're about and where added value lives. And one of the things that I've found sort of surprising and frustrating is that you can meet startups who actually have a really good concept, but they aren't absolutely brilliant at selling it to you and being able to articulate what it is they've got and where added value lives. So be able to uh, find a language of added value that just demonstrates that you are investable, that is worth doing. And then be very open-minded about a proof of concept because no one's going to take a punt at high cost without really understanding what the potential looks like. So being open to potentially a free proof of concept, being clear about what you think the measures of success should be and being able to being adaptable enough to agree them with the partner ahead of time because you both need to be measuring it on the same basis because what we'll want to do is is estimate an annualized benefit and understand that as an investment as we were saying and then a really ruthless focus certainly for me a really ruthless focus on the customer and that's both the the b2b customer the people you're addressing at the time what is it they need from you but also the external customer the end user because you know when it comes to very practical things like if something goes wrong who do we speak to when can we do that how do you support people they need to have thought through customer experience in the broadest sense of the word. So I think there's a number of things that we've been able to identify absolutely essential. I always get the feeling there's a kind of a time frame as well. You know, if you've got, say, 30 minutes with a brand or a corporate, my view sometimes is keep it, to your point, short and sweet, to the point, very succinct, and, and don't overdo the time with the presentation because the real value and understanding comes in the discussion afterwards. And I'm not saying there is a hard and fast rule that startups should better pitch in five minutes and anything over that is bad. But I think on the other side, once you start going 15 minutes and over, you know, everyone's got busy lives and you're sitting there from a corporate perspective. I remember my days thinking, right, my next meeting is this and what have I got later today? And you can drift off uh, in a nice way. So would you agree with that? Would you say there is a kind of a, the first 10, 15 minutes is crucial? Well, I think it's certainly the case that you need to be able to make an impact relatively quickly, you know, and you see a lot of three minute, four minute, five minute pitches that are quite artificially constructed at events. They don't work for me particularly well. But you're quite right, there's an optimum length of time and it isn't a long one. But I think it also depends on the quality of the pitch as well, because if you're giving people information that is fundamentally interesting to them, they could be there an hour later and still be highly engaged. So I think it depends on the quality of what is being articulated as well as the length of time. So taking all that into account, Sean, have you got an example of where it has just gone right? So a startup has come in, everything went well, you like them from the word go, you started working with them, the proof of concept pilot went really well, and now they're kind of a regular uh, partner of yours. And, and dare I say, they kind of become a catalyst for change. Is there an example where all of this advice has been taken, it's gone really, really smoothly, and it's worked? Is there an example of that? Yeah, I've got a few, but I'll, I'll give you one. In the last 20 weeks or so, we've had something like 51,000 pieces of customer feedback. And we obviously we use that for sentiment scoring and so on. And about 30% of those pieces of feedback have free text attached. And that's something we need to be able to analyze, sort, and effectively do something with. 
that was a very, very intense piece of manual labor and an entirely subjective piece of manual labor for what it's worth as well. So not a brilliant, not an optimum process by any stretch. And in working with Sentisum, who we've been working with very recently, we have found a partner who was able to come in and say, look, this is what we can do for you. We can visualize this data for you in a very useful and impactful way. We'll help you deliver on this piece of internal friction that you have. You can't sort these things in a timely way. You can't work out what the impact of any of these pain points or strengths could be. We'll do it for you. And that's exactly what's happened. So they articulated clearly what they were about. They were open to uh, working with us on price and how we would implement things because very often we're moving much more slowly than the startup would like to move. And they have delivered on what we agreed. They're also really open to taking suggestion for, you know, adaptation of the off or or just what our experience of their dashboard and their product is and how they can make it better. So I think that's just one very simple example of a startup helping us with a problem, delivering a fundamentally different outcome in that we now can sort these feedbacks, report on impact, take action. And we've saved a huge amount of labor and actually we're getting much better quality information at the other end. So I think, and we can see how we can grow the relationship because this is one uh, type of feedback that we get. We can roll it out into all the other interactions we have with customers. So I think that's a simple example of, look, we just got what we thought we were going to get. And they are very pleasant professional partners to work with. They were able to clearly articulate what the offer was and are constantly in touch to see, look, what else can we do to make this better and allow this partnership to grow? I think that's been a really useful one. And not all roads are as smooth as that one, obviously. And that's a fairly simple problem we were trying to attend to, but it works. It has worked. And, you know, you mentioned at the start that companies like yourselves maybe don't work as fast as startups. And the question I'd have on that is, did that cause a kind of a, a little bit of friction culturally? Because you've got an established company like Shoe, you've got a smaller company coming in full of ideas, working at breakneck speed in some cases. And to try and work together, those two kind of different entities working together, it must have some impact on the culture internally where you are. Did you see some cultural impact or was that, that was something that evolved naturally? Certainly initially there was some cultural impact because it wasn't the way that some colleagues internally were used to working and they expected planning to be very linear in nature and have quite long timeframes, measured in months, not days, but still relatively long timeframes. And so it did have an impact in that sense. And how we dealt with that really was to make sure that the right kinds of colleagues were involved in the conversations with the startups as early as possible. You know, so don't drop surprises on people, get them involved in the process, help them understand from the pitch outwards who we were talking to. And by colleagues, I mean IT colleagues, developers, people who wouldn't normally be invited along to a pitch and just try and bring everybody along. But I wouldn't say we got to a perfect place in that at all, because in the end, we're still... We have a range of competing projects, things, you know, constantly, ruthlessly prioritizing what we get want to get done and inevitably not enough bandwidth to get it all done necessarily in the time frame that we'd like. So it remains imperfect, but certainly it's something that we had to be aware of and address in a particular way. But for me, the, the most useful way to address that was to get people in the room together so they could understand each other. And you're know, taking that into account, Sean, 
there's anything over the last year or so working with startups surprised you? You kind of never saw it coming in a good or bad way. I mean, sometimes. Probably the thing that has surprised me a couple of times is that we can agree something over a brief, talk about the economics and the financial model, talk about the labour that's required and just how scalable and timely we need things to be, and then and then discover in practice it doesn't quite work like that. So we've had a few scenarios where we thought, well, this is this is going to go very, very well. And then for whatever reason, we get a bit further down the road and it's just not working for both parties the way we thought it would, despite the clarity we thought we had at the time. So there's always room to be slightly surprised. I suppose that more broadly, the risk you always run is that the best hypothesis doesn't always turn into the results that you thought it might. And the greater number of people we've worked with and and run A-B tests with and proof of concept with, where the results just didn't give us what we needed to continue, has probably been the most surprising thing because these things fundamentally, they start life as a good idea and they're still a good idea at the end, but the results don't always give you the level of support that you need to to be able to continue. So these are slightly tenuous surprises, Ken, but it's an imperfect route and not all startups are created equal and, and not all businesses and parts of the calendar are created equal. So sometimes it's gone terribly well and sometimes it just hasn't. And, and that's just the way it's been. And in a way, I imagine that's part of the fun to a certain extent where you learn your own way of working with startups and hopefully startups you work with adapt as well. And there's no kind of, here's a five-stage approach you should follow. And if you follow it, it's going to work. You adapt as you go along. And I think that's as much of a, sometimes a culture shock to corporations. I think both sides need to evolve as the partnership goes on. And some things, as you say, work better than you thought and some things don't, but you learn as you go along. Look, I think that's absolutely right. Look, I think what it does, what it's done for us over time is to improve the quality of our discipline on things like that brief and making sure that we are very explicit about what we're seeking all the way through to just making sure that we can we can invest based on the economics. And it does make you reflect what sort of very basic criteria you need to get right when you're working with a startup. And just, you know, there's some absolute fundamentals that have got to be in place for it to have a chance. And kind of standing back, Sean, a question I ask all my guests is, do you feel looking across the landscape and, you know, with your peers in other companies, do you feel that more corporates are starting to work with startups and, as I say, find their own way of working with them. Do you think that's got better over time or do you think it's still, you know, not quite there yet? Well, look, this is obviously a highly subjective comment, but my impression is, given the nature of the aggregation services that are more obvious than they were five years ago, the events where people have woven, you know, a startup element into the overall event just the prevalence of startup material in a way that brings people to a single location and tries to help them into i suppose into a curated location and helps them digest things in a particular way that suggests to me that for the most part businesses on their own aren't brilliant at it and do need facilitation and a degree of long listing and short listing or cu- help with curation certainly and sometimes just an introduction you know get in the right partnership to have a chance by getting the people in the room in the first place and just making sure introductions are made. So my sense of it is that businesses, by and large, aren't brilliant at this and need a degree of facilitation. But those services of facilitation are much more prevalent than they used to be. 
In a previous episode, we were talking to Eamon from Techstars and he felt on the same question, he felt that startups now are, for want of a better word, smarter maybe than what they may have been a few years ago. And what he meant by that was, uh, I think everyone's learned over the last few years and startups now understand more what they're looking for with potential partnerships with corporates. So whereas maybe five or six years ago, some would go to every single event and take up every single invitation. Startups now are slightly more seasoned, experienced in some cases and saying, well, that's not quite right for us. Or if we come along to this, what's the the plan going forward? So I think they've become, to Eamon's point, a lot smarter now. And hopefully what comes from that is that the right startups come to the events with the corporates who want to be there and everyone wants to be there. And hopefully the end goal or the output is is beneficial to everyone. Well, absolutely. I mean, that works if that's the case. Absolutely. What that suggests to me is that they're doing a better quality of due diligence before they seek to meet prospects because certainly I've experienced people who just could have done a little bit more homework in advance and they might have concluded we weren't right for them as you say you know so that's appreciated and it really does this is two-way traffic it requires the corporate to think carefully about what they need and be able to articulate it and understand under what circumstances it could work and then for the startup to be able to convey clearly what they're about, who they think they're for, and that they have demonstrated that they've thought carefully about this potential partnership. So it goes back to what you said at the start, really. So from a corporate side, be very, very focused at the start with what you're looking for, what the problem is. You know, we mentioned a brief. And on the other side, for startups to be very succinct about what they can offer and how they can help. Absolutely. Everybody's time poor. And the more focused we can be, the easier that is for everybody to get to these right partnerships. The final question I've got, Sean, comes in two parts. So looking back over your experiences to date with the startup world, the first part of the question is, what has been your key learning personally from these experiences? And the second question is, for our fellow corporate listeners out there, what would you say are the key benefits for corporate when it comes to working with a startup? In terms of key learning for me, it's a pretty positive one, I think. There are people out there with brilliant ideas and they don't always know how to articulate how that could be a benefit to your business. Helping them get to a shared language I found quite useful. They don't always know how to sell what they've got and what they've got may be excellent, but they need a degree of salesmanship to get them there. And that's certainly been a a lesson for me. It could be good, but they don't know how to tell you it's good. And... For the corporates, we're all made of different stuff. I said at the start, ignorance isn't bliss. I suppose that is that is the key here in that we can't possibly know everything. We can't, by any stretch of the imagination, uncover all the benefits that are available to us. So taking the time to be introduced to people who might be thinking laterally about some of these business issues or just don't have the baggage of experience sometimes and can just come at something with very fresh eyes is beneficial. And so there's an ecosystem out there that we can't afford to ignore. It's just finding the best way to meet the right people and to develop partnerships that can be mutually beneficial. And I suppose to do that and to appreciate that, you have to go into this with an open mind. Well, look, 100%. It helps me to go in there thinking about our customer and what our customer might be experiencing. So it's certainly an open mind, but it's an open mind with a particular 
perspective. But absolutely, I think you've got to be prepared to be surprised because you might just, it's a bit like panning for gold, but you might just find something there that is really meaningful. And I think that mindset is essential. Welcome to the part of the show where we look to answer a question from one of our listeners. This week, we have a question from Sophie, who is a co-founder from Newcastle. And Sophie's question is, as a business leader, when you meet a startup for the first time, what are the key criteria you use to help you make that final decision as to whether to proceed or not? So, Sean, before I hand this question over to you, I know we may have covered some relevant points to this question earlier in the interview, but it'd be great if you can provide some additional advice to Sophie. No problem, Ken. Hi, Sophie. Look, if I distill this down to maybe three very, very simple things, for me, it is as one, what is it that we are trying to consume here? What are we paying for and how, you know, how would that be? So that takes in things like what's the financial model? Is there IP involved here? Are there other people replicating this? Can we do it economically? And is a proof of concept available? Second, can the startup deliver what we need at the pace we need it? So We've certainly had some experience of that. Can it be done in a timely way if it's a repeated activity or repeated content? And what are the SLAs that we would need to put in place to ensure that we're, that that can be the case? And if we need it, what does support look like? Who are we speaking to? Is there support? And so on. So can they handle what we need? And then finally, really, in given that it's an initiative and that initiative will require some investment, how can we measure the added value here? You know, so what is it that we can articulate that will deliver something we don't have here today? So what is it adding? So what are we getting? Can they handle what we need? And where's the added value? And I think for me, those are the absolutely key things that I would be seeking to consider, Sophie. Great answer there, Sean. And Sophie, I hope that helps you for the next time when you go through a corporate store and you have the opportunity to pitch what you do for new business. If you have a question that you would like to ask, please email me at ken at thisisprogressive.com. And each episode, we will look to pick one to two questions to discuss live with our chosen guest. So, Sean, thanks for your time today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Really enjoyed going into some of the depth around the questions and the answers. And I, and I really believe there's some true nuggets there for our listeners, both from a startup side and a corporate side. So much appreciated and uh, thank you for your time. Well, Ken, thank you. Uh, it's a delight to be invited and obviously to find somebody who's prepared to listen to me for uh, half an hour. So thank you very much for the, the benefit of being invited. It was very enjoyable. No problem at all. And if you'd like to contact Sean, full social media details can be found in the notes to this podcast. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to this series and please rate us and leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. All contributions are very much appreciated. Thank you.